I'm not really sure what the next generation is doing to us or trying to do to us or trying to convince us of, but I don't I, like it. Yeah, I don't think that I want any part of what was happening this week. This is not a this, this is the series dropping the ball. It's yeah. not playing to its strengths. These were just two weak episodes. Uh, a matter of time more so than Newgrounds, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I think Newground is definitely a stronger episode for, for a lot of reasons that we'll talk about. But A Matter of Time is just, of all the plot lines that The Next Generation could do, a light comedy episode about a time-traveling con man is not one that I would have necessarily chosen. And the problem with it is, is that there's just no... It doesn't have an ending. Like, there's no... Uh, a hook to it. It's just a bunch of scenes with this annoying guy. And they're not acting like themselves, the crew. Well, that's, yeah. They, that's, they, everybody has to be a lot... St- I mean, number one... Everybody has to be a lot stupider than they are for this plot to work. Ver- number one, uh, he keeps hinting that, you know, you know, everyone's asking, oh, why this day? Why are you coming right now? And it's like, it takes them about 20 minutes to think, well, maybe something bad is going to happen. When me- Meanwhile... If a historian from the future wants to see the moment of your greatness and suddenly is there, you're going to be fucking nervous. You know, that, yeah. just that alone was, you know, they're letting this guy onto the bridge. Nobody's talked to Starfleet about this person. Like, at one point, Picard says that his credentials check out. Like, what credentials? Yeah, could they're he like, well, he's have? human. And I'm like, you're right. We've never seen an evil human on Star Trek. Yeah, it was like, okay, well, he's human and he's from the future so all right let's just <laughs> believe him and give him complete access to all of the restricted parts of the ship that seems like a great idea here's the thing the the episode really start i didn't find time traveler dude to be funny or amusing and well actually it's it's interesting it was, because they wrote the part for robin williams and he was oh he was going to do it god because he was a huge star trek fan and i you know, past tense, unfortunately. But and and he couldn't do it because he took um, a, a hook instead. Oh, so yeah, worth it. But I can imagine a version with Robin Williams as yeah, it okay. would have been a lot. So with somebody who could be funny, because this guy was not funny; he was just annoying. But <clears throat> when the episode really started to lose me was the scene when. Picard calls him into his, you know, his office, and he's – Picard's the most desperate we've ever seen him, the most emotional, the most unrestrained, and he's basically begging him to break his principles because of this, and he justifies his breaking of the Prime Directive in a way that does – he doesn't seem like Picard. He doesn't even seem like Picard pushed to a desperate moment. He seems like another character. Well, that- And it was the moment later – when he says, well, I've never been one to play by the rules, that I realize, this is Kirk. And then I, I put this that entire scene between Captain Kirk and this future traveling man, and it made a lot more sense. This is a first, this is an original series episode, if you think about it. I guess, yeah, it maybe. Really, I mean, the characters almost map onto it exactly. This is the kind of episode that the original series did and would have done well. Yeah. And I guess that just put this version of this episode played by that cast in my mind and i kind of hated this episode a little more just because it just failed felt wasted even well i think yeah i think that's 
that's an interesting thought exercise, and it's not something that I had thought about. But, yeah. but I think, yeah, I think it would have worked better as an original series episode. You know, Next Generation doesn't do comedy well. Yeah. And the original series did comedy yeah. well. I mean, you know, you have I Mud, you have The Trouble with Tribbles. It's two great examples of the yeah. show doing doing comedy and, and even slapstick and very I mean, well. <clears throat> this character is a fairly campy, over-the-top character in the way that characters like Mud uh, or, oh God, the one from Tribbles. Uh, 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 uh. The Tribble guy. Who's the guy from Cyrano Jones? Cyrano Jones. Like, they have these, you know, campy, flamboyant, colorful characters coming in in episodes this guy fits right into that. You don't really have those kind of guest stars in this show. His tone felt really off for it, which made it – in a way, that kind of made it clear – it's another one of those episodes which made it clear why the the next generation works when it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's. I think that's a good point because Rasmu, Rasmussen, which is a terrible name, oh. is the character that the show doesn't do well, doesn't want to do well, and doesn't know how to do well. Yeah. And this character doesn't really fit into the universe as constructed. He's now, like he's like a Kana. Yeah, I think so. And and you know, it's funny because if you think about Q, for example, and you know, in his first couple of appearances, Q was much more of a malevolent character than he he turns out to be in later episodes. You know, the show kind of pivots away from that. I think, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but Q works because. Picard finds him exasperating in a very character-driven way. In a very Picard way. In a very Picard way that makes a lot of sense. And nobody thinks Q is funny. I get the impression that... And I don't even think that the audience is necessarily supposed to find Q funny. I think Q is supposed to find himself (laughs) funny. But I kind of get the impression that the, 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 the episode was... Really trying to get across the point that Rasmussen is a wacky character and it's going to be fun to watch him what he does. And the thing is, he doesn't even really do anything. Yeah. Here's Q episodes are funny, not because Q is funny, but because but because Picard is a hilarious straight man. I think yes. of the episode where suddenly Q is a mariachi band and that's amusing. But Picard's just like having this, you know, just utterly shutting down out of just sheer rage and just giving up is hilarious. Like, that's what makes Q episodes funny. The fact that they play on each other. Picard's just kind of whatever to this guy. Like, nobody reacts. The only one who has an interesting reaction to Rasmussen is Troy. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I think Troy's reaction to Rasmussen is probably the one that actually makes any sense at all. That was the best part of this episode, their scene, you know? I liked that. Even even Worf, I think, doesn't act as Worf would in this kind of context, you know? And—, and that's kind of my problem with it where where everybody just has to act really stupid for this to work and (laughs) dr crusher dr crusher acts like an idiot picard acts like an idiot Riker acts like an idiot i mean they all act like idiots and even data to a degree acts like an idiot um you know asking him questions about oh am i still alive in the 26th century blah 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 and And he's seeing i this is you know data has recognized and i don't remember the episode a couple weeks ago but basically he you know, he admitted at one point, like, oh, if I'd been human, that would have been, you know, that that would have seemed weird. But, you know, it's not like that's the, you know, Data doesn't realize that he's acting like a complete different person right. to him. And he doesn't think that 
I mean, data. This is the data that a couple weeks ago, you know, refused to take any shit from you know from an, from his first officer, and who well, has dignity. Data has no dignity in this episode. Remember, though, he did get his head taken off in disaster, and he did get his uh, neural circuits scrambled in the game. So maybe there's just some residual stuff going on that hasn't been fixed yet. Yeah, that could be. This is a much more deep com- episode than <laughs> I thought. I'm completely retconning it. But <laughs> yeah, and I think you yeah. Know, I do want to talk about Troy's reaction to Rasmussen because, you know, we've talked a lot about Troy in the past and about how I think she's a she's a much stronger character than yeah. people give her credit for when they write her well. And I think we'll talk about Troy in Newground because I really like the way they use Troy in Newground. Oh, yes. Uh, but here it's very much in the in the cliched, I feel that something is not right here, but I don't know what it is. Thank you. That's very useful, Troy. But at the same time, Troy has proven herself to be right on many Mm -hmm. occasions and if picard trusts troy as much as he says he does and i think that he does this is another case of the show forgetting that that relationship exists and forgetting that picard would probably listen to her a bit more than he does in this episode which is to say he doesn't listen to her at all yeah exactly you know she says you know he's hiding something and everybody says well yeah he knows what the next you know three, four hundred years of history are going to be, and so, you know, that's it, you know, and she's like, no, it's more, nope, that's it, he knows the future. That's it? Yeah. Like, that's the Picard doesn't listen to her, and Crusher doesn't listen to her. And, you know, these are two people that, at least, you know, whether or not, I never can tell whether Crusher and Troy are really friends or if they just have to have girl talk because the plot demands it every so often. I, I think that their scenes together always seem like shoveled in out of nowhere just because they're the only two women. I think that's it. I mean, you know, and it, it, it's 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 unfortunate because yeah. I think that the, the two characters, if they had been written well, would have been interesting. But And I mean, the scenes between Pulaski and Troy were always much more believable than the scenes between Crusher and Troy. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that these are the two women on the, on yeah. the ship, and so they're just going to make them have conversations because they you know, can't talk to the men. I don't know. Um, yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's really, really bad because, you know, nobody questions Rasmussen, really. Nobody uh, uh, thinks that this is odd at all. They're, they're all very, very credulous to a degree which I find unbelievable. I mean, this is probably the easiest plot. This is like... The kind of plot that Romulans come up with in third grade to do something like this. You know, nobody's suspicious. Nobody, yeah, nobody seems suspicious. You know, it, it's just one of those things. And especially the fact that the ship was taken over two weeks ago in the game yeah. uh, by by alien mind control just makes me think that maybe they should tighten up security. And, you know, maybe Worf should actually do his job. Why? I mean, no, it's, Worf fucking tries to do his job. Like, okay, I, I, fair enough. He's not great at his job. He always gets his ass kicked, but he tries to do it. Nobody listens to him anytime because... I mean, to a degree, sometimes Picard does have those blinders of, well, we can talk this out. And sometimes he also does, Picard also does wait until the very last second to do anything that would be seen defensive because he realizes that defensive maneuvers can be seen as hostile sometimes. Um, He does wait till the last minute, but again, in this case, it seems like Picard is taking no caution. Yeah, and and that's kind of my problem with the episode is that Picard is doing that, but Picard is also doing that for no reason. It's it's the kind of episode that the show doesn't really do anymore, which is the plot is demanding that the characters act in a certain yeah. way to make the plot work. And so that's how they're going to work. 
characterization be damned and that's a problem which is why it could work it could have worked in the original series a little better because again that was written a little more archetypally yeah and you know kirk has kirk just represents you know this yeah we're gonna conquer space and it's gonna be great you know and spock would probably take the troy role in that episode you know you would have all of these things like that and but it could work if they shifted the characters a little bit because it wasn't based around that tight of a consistency. Here, when the characters act out of character, it's so noticeable. Yeah, and I, I'm 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 with you, and I think that now that you've said that, I really would like to see the original series. <laughs> I was going to say, can't you just imagine? Again, I can just imagine the scene with Kirk, you know, pleading with this guy, and you know, saying like, "Well, I've broken the Prime Directive because sometimes it's the right thing to do," and that would that would sound right coming from Kirk because Kirk's philosophy and Kirk's version of the Prime Directive and the original series vision of the Prime Directive does say that, yes, you can interfere with, you know, the development of other species. But if millions of lives are at stake, you know, fuck that. That's more important, you know. Right. We're here to protect those people and consequences be damned, you know. That's not why Picard has broken the Prime Directive, you know. Picard doesn't break the Prime Directive in that blunt of a way, and he's looking for that now. Yeah, yeah, and I I do want to talk about that scene, but I I I have to ask a question because I I wonder what you'll make of this. This episode was written by Rick Berman, and he doesn't write for the show that often. The only other episode he wrote, I believe, so far has been Brothers. So, what do you make of that? Like, he doesn't seem to really have a good grasp of what makes the characters work. So let's refresh everybody who is rick berman again rick berman is the executive producer of the so show. so he's basically who star trek is at this point as yeah you're saying yeah so th- that is a question how is he not grasping it and how is what the hell is he doing on the other episodes this is my other question like because then this that would almost imply that here's what he thinks you know Here's how he thinks Picard acts. Here's how he thinks that, you know, Crusher acts. Here's how, you know, and et cetera. Well, I think, I think that the, the thing about Rick Berman is that Rick Berman is a really good numbers man. And Rick Berman yeah, is the kind okay. of executive producer who, uh, you know, keeps everybody on budget, keeps everybody on time, um, and, and doesn't really have too much of a creative drive. And when yeah. he does, it's really not exercised that well. He got into, maybe, and maybe, yeah, maybe he did get into Star Trek because he loved the original series and, you know. No, not at all. No, I he mean, didn't. No, he just, he got the job. I mean, that was it. Okay. Know? I mean, he, he, he was the guy who, who was there the longest. He mm. was the executive producer. I mean, by this point, uh, you know, Roddenberry had been dead for, I think, a month or so. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it, and this, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where you look at it and you think, okay, well, maybe he wants to write a script a, a, a season and that's fine um but he doesn't seem to have a firm grasp on the characters and he doesn't seem to have a firm grasp on what makes the show work and what has made the show work in the past two seasons which is really that directive from michael pillar that it be about the characters yeah and so this seems like again i think you know the fact that you're picking up on on that it seems kind of like an original series episode yeah, yeah, yeah. also may indicate that it also feels like a first season episode which it does and it doesn't. I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily. This episode would have been a lot worse in the first season. I don't think it would have worked at all, to the degree that it works now. It works because of the familiarity and the affection we have for the characters, and sort of the 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 way that they're able to play their characters and know how their characters yeah, act, yeah, yeah. even if the script is kind of acting like it doesn't know. If that makes sense, I think yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, in terms of a plot, I actually, 
the concept of the plot on this I actually did like. I think it as a you know, it's sim- certainly one of the more simpler and low stakes stories that the series has told, but it's, you know, con- you know, someone pretends to be a story and turns out they're actually from the past and they're just trying to loot in, you know. It's a fine, you know, it's a fine little story. It has a cute little twist at the end, you know, and the villain gets his comeuppance, you know, and get what's what. And that's fine. And he's from New Jersey. And he's from New Jersey. That's... Which means that he's a horrible, horrible person. I know so he's many a... guys like this growing up. He's a up. garbage person. He's a garbage person. No, he's a con man, not a garbage man. Garbage <laughs> man is is honest work. Okay, fair enough. Now, I didn't say garbage man. I said garbage person. But he would be a garbage man. Okay. Um, and I even liked the B plot a lot, actually. Just, I, these, you know. It was fine. As a, not like it changed the world, but it was, the B plot's their mission, what they're actually doing for the most part. It's just kind of, it is usually a padding thing. It's some background. I just happened to enjoy this one. Nothing big about it. It was just, I, you know, when it was on, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. How are they going to get out of this? You know, that. That was fine. It had some cool, you know, visuals. And in terms of that, again, it's not world changing, but I appreciate it. And I get, but I guess that's my problem with it is that Rasmussen, you know, seemed to be convinced or, or, well, not that Rasmussen seemed to be convinced, but that he was trying to convince everybody else that this was going to be some big thing. And he was saying, oh, everyone's going to remember you were here. Well, yeah, he's, that's his, that's his con. But, but my question is. Why did they believe that? I mean, this is not the kind of situation where it would be world changing. I mean, what what could possibly happen? Well, like, again, he's the trying. Romulans invade the planet. I well, mean... they, I think. I mean, that that's his. That is the crux of his con. He honestly. I mean, I think it's Troy even says like I feel like he's trying to distract us from something. He he implies he hints that you know oh this is going to be a really big mission. Be on your guard, and so. Picard is going to be obsessively looking over every detail of the mission. Jordy is going to be checking and rechecking everything, you know, and they're going to be looking at every possible there. Meanwhile, he's on the ship and he's stealing shit and he's not really, they're not looking at him as carefully as they would. If he says, oh, no, thing, this is going to be a routine thing. No, I, no, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my problem is that I don't believe that that would actually work. Well, not with these characters. Yeah, it requires the characters be credulous to a degree that is unbelievable. Well, again, do you remember the moment when... He first meets Picard, and he says something like, oh, you know, and Picard says, like, why are you, you know, why did you study me? You know, why me? You know, and he says, oh, you know, that's Yeah, like- and that was a weird thing. Like, what, wh- wh- really? Like, you made first contact with the Borg. You were a Borg. I mean, even that would I mean, mean that's that a little be- bit of Picard's own humbleness, because Picard is the kind of person who would just think of himself as in the line of duty. But anyway, uh, yeah, the but thing I mean- is, you know, when, either way, Rasmussen, you know, says that, oh, you know, that's like telling Julius Caesar when he was a kid, you know, when he was young or something like that, you know. And so Picard, like, just has this, like, puffed up little, you know, blush, like, oh, he think I'm going to be Julius Caesar. Like, that I don't believe Picard would ever have. I don't believe Picard would ever have that reaction, but I also don't believe that Picard would have that reaction of why would you study me? Yeah. He's the captain of the flagship of Starfleet. Like, they're going to study him in the future. Yeah. He's made first contact with, whom, you know, how many other races. He's He was the, the, the arbiter of the Klingon uh, succession. I mean, like, there's a lot yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah, here yeah. that he's been very involved in, and he's going to be studied in history books. That's yeah. Just, you know, Even that's by cool. a very minor historian. Someone will write a thesis on him. But... Yeah. So it just, that, that seemed very strange to me, too. And but yeah, that 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 goes with the these aren't the characters we know. 
no. And 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 I guess my other problem with it is that the episode tries to be a lighthearted, you know, con man romp, uh, you know, some sort of like uh, a paper moon thing or something. But then, uh, you know, that scene in Picard's ready room where he, again, is really sort of like imploring Rasmussen to help him here um, makes the episode suddenly like very dramatic and and have these sort of resonances about the prime directive yeah and right to get involved and you know i don't care about your i don't care about your past because it's my future which is an interesting concept yeah and i wish that the episode had been about and, that maybe and that and the fact that you know i mean he very almost throwaway line saying like look everyone here is dead anyway like those two million people would be dead anyway in my timeline so you know so what do i care yeah like those concepts they just put him there but then that's not really the case. So. But they don't do anything with them. Yeah. They don't grapple with them in any way. And so I don't know why that scene was there other than because they, it needed to be 45 minutes long. It just, it, it doesn't it's seem It's the like... kind of thing where if you gave it to Kirk, Kirk could just have a moment of hamming it up and that would be fun. Right. And it would, you know, having the, I mean, it reminds me of the, Oh god, the 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 Americans and the Communists episode, like where the he's Omega just, Glory, yeah, like where he's making this big, you know, dramatic, over the top speech about America, you know, and it's like this is so cheesy, but it works with the series. Like it just it would it would fit in the tone of that. You could have it in the original series where there was a degree of anything goes. Yeah, that doesn't work here. It doesn't work here. Yeah, I think that's really the bottom line is it doesn't work here and. You they know, didn't know what this show they had in the 90s was. They thought it was still the show they had in the 60s. And that's very interesting because it shows how out of touch he was. You got the sense maybe he watched two episodes then of the original series and thought, I know everything about Star Trek. I'm just going to balance the books. Oh, I got to write an episode? Okay. What's Star Trek? Let me just throw something together. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, we can talk more about Rick Berman as he gets more deeply involved in the creative side of the franchise. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where you always kind of look at it and go – what exactly was going on here? Yeah. And there's a lot of really strange stories about Rick Berman and, and just, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, is this the case where they had no script or like they needed to save money and he just did it himself? Like, could that be the case here? I mean, I doubt it. I mean, I just think or do you that, like, do you think this is a story he woke up and wanted to tell? I think it's, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think in a, in a way, you know, I think he, he probably wanted to get involved in the creative side of the yeah. franchise and just wanted to write a couple episodes and, this is one of the ones he wrote. He had an idea for it and he wrote it. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, it's not terrible. No. You know, it's entertaining. It's, 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 uh, there are a lot worse ways to spend 45 minutes. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just think that the show at this point uh, should be operating at a higher level than this. And, and the fact that it isn't in this episode is a little disappointing. I really hate how they just make Crusher just have crushes on everyone. Like, Every guy. Oh, I didn't get that impression. Oh, was... I did and didn't. I don't know. Like, see, that was the thing. I got the impression that he was hitting on her and she was very uncomfortable with it. I don't know because it got this. I couldn't read her in this. It seemed like at the one point it, it seemed like she was, you know, going with Troy and she's like, I'm just going to shut this down. But there was some, I don't know. There was a, an undertone in that scene where. Crusher has better taste than that. Come on. The guy's hair was ridiculous. The guy's hair was ridiculous, but so are everyone's hair in the future will be ridiculous, Eric. I don't know. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's just move on to new ground. <laughs> um, I will give this episode uh, four time pods. Ooh. Um, I don't know. I give it a five just because I don't know why I liked the B plot of it, but I did like the B plot. All right. Well, let's move on to New Ground.
which is an episode that the original series definitely would not and could not no. have done. I, I don't... It, you see, it's this is interesting because this is very much a Next Gen episode. I'm not the biggest fan of this episode. I don't particularly like the character of Alexander. I don't think that giving Worf a son makes the character more sympathetic in any way. Makes he, him a little hotter. That's a that's fine if that's what you're into. Uh no judgment here. <laughs> and frankly Worf is not good at this and He's not good at it to a degree which makes his son almost get killed. So, you know, the the whole thing is just kind of ill-conceived, I think, in a lot of ways. And also the actor that plays Alexander is just awful. Oh, yeah. And so I don't... Like, if you're going to rely on, on a child actor to make an episode work, then that child actor better be damn good. Yeah. And. Child acting has definitely gotten better in the 25 years since this episode was Yeah, Oh, yeah. You know, so for me... But at the same time, that was the best. Out of all the kids who wanted to have a role playing the son of Worf on a Star Trek episode, that was the best one you could get. But I mean, yeah, (laughs) well, maybe he was the best one that would tolerate the makeup. I mean, who knows? No, you're right. That is true. There's a lot of mitigating factors here as well. No, you're right, you're right. Because there's... And it must have been difficult because there are there are all these restrictions about how long children can be on set and, yeah, yeah, and how yeah. long they can work and stuff. And so you think like, well, it takes a while to put that makeup on, so it must have I been say, very difficult. How long was the? Do you do you know if they've talked about how long the wharf makeup took? I think it was about. I mean, I'm sure by the end, they, by this point, they have it down to a science. I want to say it was like an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, yeah, it was pretty pretty long. You do, so, yeah. Yeah, you're already cutting into your time there. His makeup wasn't very great in this episode. Like, you know, if you, I mean, I don't, I don't even have the HD version. You could tell that Worf's makeup is better. So you, they probably did a much more streamlined version of it obviously for, yeah for many reasons that's, a, that's actually a good point because um you know the makeup is good i mean i don't want to say that the makeup isn't 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 good uh but but you definitely see um it's the, not the, to the, the quality of most klingons when we see well them. you see you see the seam of the headpiece yeah. for example in the hd version which you don't see like yeah dwarf, so it's that kind of thing um but but yeah i think that you know it was an interesting choice to bring Alexander back. I don't think that the episode is bad in any way. And I think it has a lot of interesting things to say about, you know, Worf. And it's kind of an indirect follow-up to, you know, the Redemption two-parter as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's sort of done. And Worf has come to terms with his Klingonness, And I think that he's a little more comfortable with himself. And so I don't know that you would necessarily have this episode in a previous season. Yeah. Because I don't know that he would have been able or willing to do this yet well i think in a way like yeah the the redemption was him finally learning that was his kind of final lesson for Worf as to what it means to be klingon like i think that was when that's when it finally clicks and he gets he he learns how he transitions from a young klingon to an adult klingon at that point he's figured it out he's got into terms of himself with his past, with his culture, he's, all of those have finally, he's resolved his issues. And now he's at the point where he needs to now teach it to others. And he's learning that that's a very different angle too. And he has to learn that, you know, what works for him as an adult may not work for Alexander as a child. And that there are differences to honor. And that, you know, I mean, the point when he says, you know, Alexander says, you know, you just care about your honor, you don't care about me, is a really interesting point for Worf. I think he does realize that 
he has this very theoretical idea of family and honor, but in practice, he actually has never really had to deal with it very much. It indicates that Worf not only... It may not work for Alexander, but also the fact that what Worf, you know, what what works for Worf as an adult Klingon is not going to work for Alexander. Mm -hmm. But also, what worked for Worf as a child is not going to work for Alexander because he basically tries to recreate his own childhood for Alexander, and it doesn't work. Yeah, you know, his parents are older. Um, I. I want. I love Worf's mom. I'm really glad we got to see her again. Yeah, and we never see her again, unfortunately, because oh. the actress died. I think oh, in, in like a year later or something. Oh, and I think the guy that played his father was already dead, which is oh, why he wasn't in this episode. They were wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So you know, they were like old, like Yiddish theater actors. I was gonna say, you they're could, just like, yeah, you could tell they've done stage and they've done a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she was very subdued in this episode, and you can kind of tell that you know maybe she was sick or something, but. Mm. I liked seeing her one more time. I like the way that they interact. And it really does feel like a real like mother-son relationship. Yeah. He's like teasing him about his beard and stuff. And but, they have a much more... Even their relationship is a little different now that Worf has kind of not finished growing up. But you know what I mean? Like, I think he's a little less... I, I don't know. He's, I think he's mother, acting a little more like her equal when they're talking. About I think his things. mother is worried a lot less about him now than, yeah. than she was before. And I mean, I, mothers will always worry oh, yeah. about their children, but... You know, I think that she's not quite as worried about him because he's come to terms yeah. with this and he's sort of like integrated the two sides of his his, his culture and his yeah. personality to a degree. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, my I guess my main problem with this episode is that it, it, it doesn't paint Worf out to be a sympathetic character, which is an interesting choice to a degree, you know, because his mother basically comes to the ship and says, look, we're older now. Yeah. Like we're really not up to this. You need to take your son and Worf doesn't want to do it. And you know, whatever you want to think about how difficult it is to raise children. And mm-hmm. it certainly is very difficult. You kind of have to like, just step up and do it. And, 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 you know, foisting your, your child on your elderly parents. And then when they come and say, I can't take care of your child anymore, you need to take him back. You're kind of like, nah, I don't want to. It seems very, it's less, it but, seems very atypically, uh, 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 selfish of Worf. It seems, I mean, it's a very, I think the episode makes it clear that it's a very complex thing for him. I don't think it's not that he's not interested in his son. He's just, I think Worf recognizes I think Worf, rec- Worf is a little scared of his son. He has a lot of feelings towards the mother uh, that are wrapped up in this. He has – he's scared that he's going to fuck up his son. He's scared that he's not going to be able to perform his duties for the Enterprise. He doesn't know how to ju- manage all of these things. And Worf is probably not very good with failing at something. And I think for him – he I. I think for the beginning of this episode, he's scared of the challenge, and it's not until very late in the episode that he – Worf learns how to man up a, a bit in this episode. I think that is – that's what this episode's arc is I'm not for a big him. fan of that term, but – But you know what I mean. Like, I, Yeah, I guess so, but I think that – I don't know. I just – and maybe this is me being colored by, by later episodes, but okay. Worf is just a shitty dad. Like, he's just not good at it. He's never good at it. He doesn't seem to be good at it in this episode. He doesn't seem to be interested in his son. He doesn't want his son to be there. And and I, I we just get a I just I don't know. This is one of those things where we have different reads. I don't on know. Because... I like the way the series deals with being uncomfortable with children. And because we've seen both Worf and Picard don't deal with kids well. Picard, it's okay for Picard to 
not be great with kids because he doesn't have any. But now we're dealing with somebody who has a child who has to have that responsibility, who isn't good at it, who didn't really have – I mean this, his son's what? About seven or eight – you know, several years old at this point. He's two. He's two? Well, that's that's the weird thing about Alexander is that the star date they give in the episode was in the third season. So he's supposed to be two. Mm. Uh, maybe Klingons grow faster. I, I mean, like, know, but... based on, you know, the ages of the other children around, he's supposed to be about seven or eight, I would just, or at least emotionally, that's where they would place him. Well, I think, I think you know, if, if the implication is that his age is just whatever the plot demands, yeah. then, yeah, he's about seven or eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe not that old. Maybe, like, five. The point is, he also, he's suddenly thrust into, a pro- thrust into having a problem child. It's very obvious that Alexander is a problem child because of what he's gone through. Anybody would be. And so, really, it's throwing Worf into the deep end of having this responsibility that is fully his, that he's just not very good at and is a little afraid of. And I think it's, I don't know, I like that the show is willing to portray that in a way. Like, you know, it's it, this is not a case where, you know, there's so many movies where, you know, someone's a slacker or somebody, you know, really too serious and then they get a kid and the kid teaches them the wonder of life and they become spontaneous and everyone's happy at the like that's not what the show is doing the show is not it's saying you know that's not really the case you can still be bad at this but what i think the scene with troy when she says you know you're you're both sad about her death you know you're both a little messed up about this you know it's going to be really tough but you have each other so you can at least try together like i think this show makes it clear that wharf may not be a great dad alexander may not be a great kid but they're at least muddling well i mean yeah i i don't know i i i hesitate to say well i hesitate to say that Alexander's not a great kid well, you, because you know he's got a lot of trauma in he's his a life kid with and, a lot of trauma and so and he does try yeah he does try and i think that that but my problem is Worf doesn't try. And, and, and Worf doesn't know what trying Troy... is. Worf, Worf, Worf honestly thinks he can say to a kid, don't lie, your honor depends on it, and that's going to be enough. Because you can tell Worf right now to do something really difficult to save his honor, and he will do it. Right. You know, when Troy says, like, you can't tell it, it's not going to be that easy. Like, Worf seems almost like he doesn't believe that's the case, you know. He's just, again, Worf knows nothing about kids and right so i i think he has all of these ideas you know he's treating him like an adult really but then i guess my question is and we didn't really see this but you know like there was there was a little bit of this but don't you think his his mother would sort of warn Worf about this i mean it seems kind of strange i was gonna that- say i thought i would have thought it, i mean it would have made sense to me if she would have said like look i'll, I'll stay for a month like you know because i mean also if Alexander has been living with his grandmother and she's suddenly disappeared, like that would, right? You know, I, it would help ease the transition if she would stay, you right, know, right. teach Warp how to cook for him, you know, and like you know, get him into his routine. Like, yeah, no, I think that she should have, you know, could have. They they didn't make it clear why she just jets, you know, dumps him off in jets rather than, you know, making a bit more of a ease into this yeah i think that's true and i also think that you know one of my problems with it maybe is that um for Worf, someone who's failing at something that he has asked them to do is sort of this like 
he views it as some sort of personal affront yeah. when really it may not be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I understand Worf doesn't have a lot of experience with children. He hasn't been around children very much. Maybe he doesn't even like children. Yeah. But to me, you know, it just there's a there's a degree to which I don't exactly buy your reading of it because Troy basically has to sort of like babysit Worf and say, listen, you know, your son has a lot of traumas. You know, you need to go do this. You should go on the field trip. You know, uh, she's I mean, she's butting her nose in. But but I think that it's it's warranted. And then they have that no, scene yeah. where, you know, Worf and her are, are in the counselor's office and, and she's doing her counseling job, which I think, you know, when they do. Those Again, scenes, we like her when she's counseling. She she's very good. And, and I think the show is supposed to say that she's good at her job. Um, and she kind of gets to the heart of the matter, which is that, you know, it's okay that Worf is mad that Kalar died. And he has to remember that, you know, Alexander is a child and that he is, he lost his mother suddenly. Mm -hmm. He was introduced to his father. His father sent him off to live with people who he didn't know that were human. And he probably, that was the first time that he had ever lived with humans. Yeah. And as, you know... As Troy points out, that's exactly what Worf's upbringing was, essentially. Right. And so I I like the fact that Worf eventually does come around. And, I mean, Worf does care about Alexander and love him. But, you know, at the same time, it really does feel like... I mean, even to the end of the episode, Worf Worf wants to send him off to a Klingon school. Like, he, you know, it's just that kind of thing where Worf is... Worf is failing at this to such a degree that I find it kind of objectionable. Like I almost, but I almost wonder if Worf would have wanted to have been sent to a Klingon school, you know, or at least the adult Worf maybe thinks that child Worf would have wanted that, you know? Right? Maybe. I mean, I I don't know. It. it I think the episode does make it clear that Worf's a little fucked up about this. Well, I think yeah, and I think that you know. Uh, there's, there's it's a very unresolved episode in a lot of ways there's but a, i think that's okay well no i think it's okay sorry but, to interrupt yeah no i but i think there's a degree to which you know you can have someone have some psychological traumas and from their from their childhood or whatever in the show but at the same time the show is not that kind of show and the show yeah. hasn't really developed that through line for Worf, and so for it's, me it just it makes him I don't know. It's seem not even like a shitty traumas, dad traumas it's patterns of thinking Maybe. You know, I, I think about, like, I think about Wesley's girlfriend from that other episode the other week where she has all of these rules. Like, she has very much hard-coded herself into these statements about the world that are going to give her problems in a few years when she starts, you know, meeting up exceptions. Like, right. in a way, that's kind of what has happened to Worf, the way he has had to think in order to navigate being a Klingon whose, you know, family was killed, who was raised by humans, whose family has dishonor, who, you know, like, the way Worf has had to think has put blinders which have made him be a bad dad. And so I think he... This episode isn't him learning to be a good dad, and he may never be a great dad, but it's... Maybe him learning why he needs to try or that he wants to try. Because I think at the end, the episode makes it clear that even if he's not going to be a good dad, he's going to at least try because he thinks that's important. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. And I guess that's all you can really ask. Um, I wouldn't want Worf to be my dad. I mean, I'll say that. No, no, I I wouldn't want that either. I, I wonder, though, you know... 
because we have you know sort of the 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 science fiction b plot in this episode which is kind of interesting which because, i like too yeah no it was good and i think you know you've got the soliton wave thing and it's supposed to be you know warp drive without warp drive and jordy is all geeking out about it and that's always fun um and of course you know there's the very obvious uh, sort of rote interpretation of it, which is it's something new that nobody knows how to use or no knows how to be that it ends in disaster. Goes out of control yeah, and like, you know, they don't have as easy of a time maneuvering it as they thought they would. Yeah. Like it's not anything that is very deep and it's not anything that's very interesting, but it is there. And I think in terms of cool, it, again, both of the B plots had cool visuals, had a nifty little, sciencey thing about them and were fun to watch like it wasn't one of those oh god when are they going to get to it was a nice break yeah it was a nice break i think that 45 minutes of this would have just been a little too much um but at the end of the day it's good and i think you know it's also kind of a it's kind of a a harken back to the way that the b plots used to work because i think that they've kind of fallen down on the job a little bit because a lot of the b plots just seem sort of tacked on yeah and um they don't really seem to be related to the a plot in any way which i think they used to do a better job of yeah, yeah, yeah. and now they're sort of like maybe getting back it to almost seems know. like they had a list like they had a drawer of like cards of like what's a mission they can go on okay they're going to survey this planet oh they're going to solve this from a disaster oh no the mining colony is out of food you know and they just kind of draw one and then write that you know pepper that into the episode yeah and i also you know and i also think it's kind of a, lo- a lost opportunity or a missed opportunity for for Worf to not talk to dr crusher because you know dr oh, crusher yeah. is the only character that that, that has a, a child and so it, it seems to me that you know Worf and dr crusher don't necessarily have a, a, a relationship or a friendship but i think that you they know, do it, have they they're they're colleagues who work together on a ship where everyone likes each other so yeah she would it's you know if she came and said you know hey look you know here's you know, here, let me tell you a couple stories about Wesley when he was difficult and, you know, you know, do, do, do you want me to come by and, you know, cook, cook, you would cook him dinner, you know, and show you how to like candle, you know, like you, you would think she would offer that. Yeah. And also to the degree where, you know, it doesn't seem to reflect in anything, but, but the fact that, that Alexander is a child and, and wants to play and have fun. And so, you know, you sort of have that scene with, um, with him in the holodeck and, and fighting Skeletor. I thought they were good fight together i was really looking forward to that and i thought it would have been cute if the episode had had a scene with the two of them you know where he gives him a mini bat left and they're you know like that would be nice yeah and i i liked that scene and i think that you know it it's kind of maybe the the turning point of the episode in a way because yeah. that's kind of the moment where Worf is kind of like you know you kind of see him on the sidelines going yeah, yeah oh <laughs> you know you can do it um but at the same time, you know, it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you say, okay, they could have done a little bit more with this, I guess. Yeah. You know? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how I feel about the episode. It was not as bad as the time episode, but not as good as the rest of the episodes. Fair enough. Uh, I will give this one uh, eh, five six. Skeletor. I'll give it six. Skeletor. Yeah, Skeletor. So uh, that's the last time we see Skeletor, by the way. Oh. That's sad. But, well, we, we will always have those He-Man DVDs we bought two years ago. Uh, we did not do that. <laughs> Turn into our next podcast, He-Man About. <laughs> so next week we are talking about, God, we're already, we're just like. Mo- mo- puttering through the season. We're almost at the halfway point already. Ah. Uh, we are talking about uh, Hero Worship. 
and violations. I am really nervous about when the Q episode is going to happen. Uh, I will... Will it be obvious? Like, is it, is it like a... Uh, I will assuage your fears, Richard. For sure. those of us who are about to Q or whatever. There is no Q episode in the fifth season. <sighs> so you have a little bit of a break. But I believe there's two in the sixth season. All right. What about the books on Troy? Is she happening? I think so. Oh. Well... You can't get everything. But I did like the last Locks on a Troy episode. There you go. So maybe it'll be good. You never know. Things could be better. All right. So join us next week for Hero Worship and Violations.